خاصية فايلولوت مايوري تاد فايوميلولولي لي فايوميجيتوتلي وامهيل Welcome to Con Langer, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With uh, me in Wisconsin, we have William Annis. Hello. And up in New Jersey, we have the one and only Mike Lentine. Yes, indeed. Back Hi. From his. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, wait, were you in the last episode? He was not uh, in the last episode. Last episode. Yeah. I- <laughs> I, I can't even remember. That came out, you weren't there. Anyway, <laughs> we have so we're much so fun. confused. <laughs> you, we you, were supposed you, to record this episode yesterday, but then all of us got confused about what time it was supposed to be. So here we are, the next day. Yes, indeed. Yes, uh, we're 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 t- talking a little bit too much about uh, meta stuff that <laughs> uh, the listeners don't know about. But um, I will. So. Yes, this I was. is episode 52. Ooh, ooh. Now, most podcasts reserve their sort of first special milestone thing for um, episode 100. But we thought, you know, 52 for a weekly podcast, that's a year of conlangery. So we wanted to, we thought we were entitled to maybe a little bit of a break from hardcore linguistics talk and such. So, oh, Mike is saying he was there for Conlanger 51. Anyway, this is 52. And as I was saying, we decided to take a break from the linguistics talk, the the creative process talk, the all that stuff. We're not going to have any hard-hitting linguistics topic. Also, we're not going to have a featured Conlang. What we are going to do is listen to clips of conlangs, and uh, one or two of them are not really conlangs. I'm not certain um, from movies, and comment on things like actor performance and just sort of the history of conlanging in movies and television. Yeah. Mm. It seems kind of like this is when the teacher is sick and you have a substitute and you just watch movies the whole time and you have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. we hope people will will enjoy this episode, even if it's not sort of hard hitting. And we will uh, we don't know what we're going to do next episode, but uh, we will return to linguistics topics for 53. We just want to do something fun. So shall we get started? Sure. Absolutely. So I got a bunch of clips here. And we're going to start with a very early one. This is not something that was created for a movie. Um, and, uh, I did not do the proper research. When was William, do you know what year Incubo was? I'm thinking 68. No, God, 66. 1966? Yes. It's one of, I think one of the first William Shatner appearances. And this, <laughs> William, you say this is uh, a m- movie that all Esperantists are required to watch, right? Mm-hmm. Forced to suffer through. 
Yes. Um, yes. Well, first of all, we're going to listen to a little clip of William Shatner speaking some Esperanto. And William, tell me when it's unbearable, unbearable because it is a fairly long clip. Just a dolce. Okay, was that a safe word? (laughs) (laughs) So the, the point there is, which I hope people heard, is... Interestingly, William Shatner speaks Esperanto with a strong French accent sometimes. Yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) I noticed that right away. My sister's like, is that French? I'm like, no, it's Esperanto. It's Esperanto. Yes, the word for without is sans, not sans. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Now, I will say, to his credit... To somebody who doesn't speak Esperanto, I, I didn't really catch all of his terribleness. I did hear uh nasalized vowels, which do not incur in Esperanto, but um he does speak very fluidly mm-hmm. and very uh quickly. So I like that because a lot of the examples here the that you will hear are a lot of sort of stilted speech. That that, that is true. I will give them that. Yeah. But the point of this entire movie was made in Esperanto to add an extra layer of otherworldliness and spookiness to it. So there mm-hmm. a lot more Esperanto was spoken in this than is typically occurring in um, film and TV conlang. So they had a lot more practice, I think. I wonder if his French accent in it is from, because he's from Quebec. My guess like, is that is he, he was forced to study French in school for many years, yes. Mm, yeah, he's uh, from Quebec, Quebec, and I was I'm not sure maybe if that was some influence from if he had learned another language and that's um, carryover from having learned French or whatever the case may be. It was uh, interesting. I assume so because if Esperantists come up to him and harass the guy and try to make him speak Esperanto, now he mixes his Esperanto and French vocabulary. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was that's that's. A nice little note in Conlang to know that there is an entire movie in Esperanto, even if it's very bad Esperanto. Now, I did like, I mean, I'd rather hear a French accent than like an American accent or, I mean, it just, it, I don't know if that's his personal taste, but I think it was good at least that it sounded fluid, like you said, and that it didn't sound like someone just reading it for the first time. Uh huh. Um, so. Why don't we kind of move on? Because I don't think we really have much else to say about Incubo. <laughs> and I'm sure William would like to move on to other subjects. Uh, yes, the one, es- the so, Esperantist on the show has nothing else to say about Incubo. <laughs> okay. So why don't we move on? The first, as far as we know, the first, um, Conlang created specifically for a TV or movie property was the Pakuni language for the 1974 Land of the Lost series. Um, so I actually got, uh, I bought the first episode on Amazon to capture clips, but there's only, there's not that much Pakuni on there. It's mostly single words. 
But there was this fairly, uh, a significant sentence I heard that, um, you can hear a little bit of the nature of the language in it. You hear, heard that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'll notice that that's what I was talking about, very sort of stilted and, uh, maybe over-practiced or, uh, under-practiced, just too careful pronunciation, I think. And the language itself, you know, you can't tell much from it, but they did hire Victoria Frumkin. She is a linguist, right? Was a linguist. She was a linguist. Yes. So at UCLA. they did hire an actual linguist for that, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Um, the Pakuni, if you don't know, are these ape-like creatures that live in the land of the lost. Uh, they, I guess they were styled as some sort of missing link type, uh, creature or, or parallel ele- evolution. Right. But, uh. And, and you get the impression from that, right? The language is supposed to be, it's, the vocabulary is very simple. The word shapes are very simple. I don't think there's a great deal of grammar to speak of, although I'm, I'm guessing there's some. If they mm-hmm. hired a linguist to invent the language, I would hope so. Yeah. I think it said the language had about 200 words. Yeah, two or three hundred, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, the word pakuni apparently means uh, simply means people in the language. So I'm not sure if that would be like an uh, an endonym or if that would be something that doesn't really translate as the name of the language. Yeah, but... I should have captured this. Um, there was actually um, a little bit of dialogue between um, Chaka, the 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 major pakuni character in the. Land of the Lost, and the two kids, where they're teaching him some words, and he's teaching them some words, and uh, you hear a little bit of the phonological changes that he makes to words, mm-hmm. um, to their names to understand it, and also, uh, you note, you can note, uh, like, uh, they say, they teach him the word human, mm-hmm. and then he says, human, and then human, humani. Mm-hmm. So, Obviously, the the knee element is a is a plural marker because because um the singular of pakuni is paku, mm-hmm. so okay. I guess right. that's the regular plural marker. I, I seem to recall there was some thought that fans of the show, kids watching the show, might be able to pick up some pakuni on the way as well. Mm, that, right by 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 being super simple. Huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was yeah, true. So. I heard, I heard when I was listening to it, um, when I was listening to it, I heard the glottal stops. And it's, you know, sometimes when you think of, uh, I guess primitive language, quote unquote, a lot of times people put like glottal stops and make it sound like, uh, and I wonder if that's, you know, um, where that kind of thought that glottal stops are in primitive languages kind of comes into that. Um, I don't know. I mean, the language inventor is from California, and if she mm-hmm. was a normal s- style of California linguist, she went out into the field, and most of those languages of California have glottal stops as part of their phoneme inventory, so it wouldn't surprise me if that also had something to do with it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting, because I know that like uh, a lot of the European languages don't seem to use it as a consonant as much as like some of the, I guess, indigenous languages of the Americas. That's true. That could be. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The glottal stop does 
particularly a very uh strong glottal stop just mm-hmm. gives an idea of foreignness foreignness to English speakers because languages that we're most familiar with don't have glottal stops. Spanish doesn't have it, German doesn't have it. French German has it, it a lot. German has it a lot. It's simply not spelled. Mm. Okay. English only it has must, it. It must be a very weak one. Like English actually has glottal stops. Yeah. No, you can get them of... in the you can you can get them in the middle of words. English has okay. it in the middle, like in kitten well, we, or button. Well, that's in certain dialects. I mean, yeah. in standard German. That's, mm. Anyway, okay. we we don't need to to obsess on that. Yes. Let's 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 not talk about. But I mean, a very strong glottal stop makes us think of like Arabic or mm. of like native languages. That's probably true. North and South America. That's anyway, true. that's a little bit more. It sort of to segue into our next thing. Uh, we do have an example of something that we know is inspired largely by Native American languages, and that is probably the first conlang made for movies that really took off and got a huge fandom, and that is Klingon, or as it would be uh, said native natively, Klingon. So let's hear... It was developed by Mark Okrand for specifically for Star Trek three, right? Which came out in nineteen eighty four. Yes, yes. And I have a collection of all the lines in Klingon from you know the scene where they're doing the two they're they're switching between the bridge of the Klingon ship and the bridge of uh, the Enterprise, right? So there's quite a few Klingon lines, although it's sort of intermixed with English, sort of to, to give you the idea that they are speaking another language without making the audience read too many subtitles, I guess. Mm. So here we have Christopher Lloyd, which why anyone cast him as a Klingon uh, commander, I have no idea. It's a Klingon brilliant. Captain. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a few other people speaking some Klingon, so... Okay. <laughs> I cut it a little bit earlier, but um, that's, I think the pronunciation is mostly accurate there, but again, it's very stilted and very, um, very, uh, I don't know, annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am not, I am not in the least convinced that these are native speakers of Klingon. I, 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 I can tell, it takes me out of it that I can tell very obviously that these are actors trying to speak something that's foreign to them. Mm. Yeah. But does the average audience member care? That's always the question in these conlangs. We obviously get excited and care very much if the wrong verb aspect is used and and (laughs) sounds are weird, right? But I don't know that the average audience member is going to hear that as, Oh, that's someone with an American accent trying to speak English or trying to speak Klingon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So because Klingon is so big, I do have a few a couple other samples. 
Uh, first, I have a couple Klingon songs. One of them sounds very bad, and the other one sounds better. Why don't so, we just play the better one? Well, or are we uh, stuck they're in both order? in the same okay. sample, right. actually. All right. Do we want to? Do you want me to skip over? Why should we listen to bad Klingon? <laughs> well, I just want to highlight that sometimes they just didn't do it right. I'll just play a short bit of that okay. and then try to skip over. So. Okay, that's the first thing that's wrong. Klingon does not have K. Right. <laughs> it just has the uvular. Okay, let's not let's hmm. let's not go any further with that. Let's let's find it. And here's a better one. All right. Did, did they have Z in there or the voiced uh, fricative? I don't see voice fricative on the consonant inventory. No, it's not on there. Um, some of them got the uvular chomp down nice. That was good. The usually yeah. chomp is that the official term? That's I declare it so. Oh, okay, must be. You said it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was actually just Worf and one other guy, uh, who I didn't recognize. W- one thing I noticed is they said K less in there. Right. I'm not sure if uh, if in Klingon his name is K less. I think a lot of those terms Mike Okrand actually came up with native names that were different yeah. but could could be phonologically adapted to whatever Kronos and and Klingon and all that. So uh any, I don't know if any that's... Klingon from the TV s- series I gather is to be regarded as suspect. Mm. Yeah, and both of these those examples are from Deep, Sp- Deep Space 9, which is <laughs> Probably further one of the further ones from the uh, from from wanting to be accurate with Klingon. So right I don't know. One of the better and incidents of this. Just 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 for for the sake of fun, I have also an example from to to illustrate how much Klingon is penetrated geek culture. Sheldon from uh. What's the name of the show again? The Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory. Theory. Yeah, speaking absolutely terrible Klingon, but it's hilarious. Now fetch me Will Wheaton. Botash beer, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I found a link that also <laughs> referenced the Klingon Boggle, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. By the way, yeah. there's a, an entire episode of uh, Sheldon trying to learn Chinese to confront. Oh, uh, that's horrible. A, uh, <laughs> yes, incomprehensible. Worse yeah. than the Chinese in Firefly, but uh, it was part of the joke. So yeah, yeah, right. Hmm. <laughs> I shudder. Uh, we don't have any samples of Firefly Chinese, by the way. That's but just as that would be a little hilarious, but um, Great series, but yeah. I don't know if it's so far away from the actual Chinese that you can consider it a conline version. Firefly okay. Chinese. 
<laughs> oh, no. It's just Americans who have no training in tonal languages being told how to make sounds they've never heard before. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, moving on, William, you told me about this series, Alien Nation. Yes. Um, what, the, the, the main storyline is... Yes, the an idea alien is slave ship. Right, an alien right? slave ship crashes in the Mojave Desert, and you suddenly have, in addition to the in- immense racial and cultural mix of LA, aliens. Um, yes. There was there was first a not particularly excellent movie with, of all people, uh, Mandy Potemkin playing a gigantic <laughs> alien, um, and then a few years later, Fox um, Children. I would like to tell you that there was a time when there were only three big network stations and Fox was new in the late 80s. Um, and they wanted to do a bunch of their own programming and they tried to get a guy to bring Alienation into TV and he said no. And then he saw it and said, hey, why don't we do a different series um, about the home life? And, you know, so less of this sort of L.A. noir and more just a cop buddy drama with, you know, a human and an alien. So in the movie, they had some sort of processed voices that sounded very poppy and flappy. Um, and their interpretation for the TV series was to add clicks. Uh-huh. Except not very well, right? So what would happen is, um, I think the producer's daughter invented a lot of the Tanktonese language, as it's called, which was things like English words backwards, Russian words twiddled with. Um, and then actors... Those who were good at making clicks would throw them in at random, and those who were terrible at clicks would hate the people who were good at clicks. Um, <laughs> so, for example, if, so, an import- if an important word was mentioned first by an actor who was a good clicker, then all of the other actors would hate him because then from then on, everyone would have to click for that word. <laughs> so, without further ado, I have a couple samples of Tectonese. This one, one is less clicky, one is more clicky, so... Here's one that's less clicky. And I'm going to cut that a little short because yes. uh, it's so a, it's a, important. It's, it's important to, or worth mentioning is that's the longest stream of Tanktonese you ever hear, and it's not even from the TV series. The series got canceled after a year, but a few years later they made a few um, TV movies, and that's from one of those. Yeah, yeah. The full clip is actually a minute long. So, yeah. um, and I will, and then. Here's a sample that's a little bit more clicky. It's only 31 seconds. And it's, um, that was the, what I was playing was, uh, somebody, um, getting a briefing on the bridge of an alien ship. And, uh, this is actually one of the slaves sort of in a flashback telling her son a story, I think. So. Oh, 
cosas. So I don't, I don't think there's any particular click they had in mind. I heard, I think I heard her using like alveolar click. Right. Whatever the actor could manage. The the main yeah. guy from the TV series, um, the actor was Eric Pierpoint. He did. He had quite an explosive click. He could imagine. <laughs> what kind of click was it? I can't even do it. I don't know. Huh. It's. I think it's his own special click. It's certainly not a standard one. Ah. Hmm. I don't know. The loudest one that's normal is the lateral one. Right. The, and some people, I mean, different, like I said, different actors did different sorts of clicks. Um, but obviously it was, it was not realistic from what we know about click languages in that. Well, there certainly was only one ones. click. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there was only one click phoneme that had sort of free realization apparently mm-hmm. and it was just thrown in wherever not with any real regard to phonotactics right well i mean the so, first the first part of that is not obviously insane if you're going to talk about an alien language maybe you have different dialects or something where people realize they click differently mm-hmm. um it was after all a quarter of a million supposedly who landed in the desert so that's that's long that's large enough for multiple dialect groups. But yeah, the last part where some people say them more than others makes no sense at all. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. I mean, this is definitely a um, case where, you know, they called it, they didn't make a real language. They called it out for sort of dramatic effect and decoration. Yes. And I have another example. If we even play it, I don't know if I'm going to even play it. Um, but another one that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to have here is a beloved series by me, at least. Um, so. Ooh, George, I know you, you, can, can I interrupt with something briefly? Cause I'm sort of thinking in terms of time. Okay. So we've had obviously Incubo, which is the sixties, then Pakuni, which is the seventies. Klingon is, oh, I forget which year eighties, alienation, late eighties, Babylon five. Oh, which that's is just before, fun. just before, um, Stargate did not really have, um, conlangs. Once in a blue moon, you have small bits of mostly Minbari, which I'm guessing uh-huh. were invented on the spot. Um, and it is my favorite example of a show that has the horrible sci-fi decorative apostrophe. <laughs> right our main alien's name is jakar g apostrophe k-a-r one of the things that i remember from the series that i thought was cool was is you had a scene in a um waiting lounge people were going to catch a shuttle to some spaceships and in the uh-huh. background you hear them cycle through english and then one other language for boarding announcements Oh, that's interesting. Very subtle. It was not played up very loud at all, but someone took the trouble to do that. So I remember liking that a lot, and I thought that was a good use of decorative conlanging. I wish you had uh, told me about that earlier. I would have found, so, thought, tried to find that. So Okay, Babylon 5 was on for five years, and I have no idea what episode or even year it was in. <laughs> you would have to watch the so entire it series may have been, It may have been a little difficult for me to find it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so something that I do have samples of is the Stargate movie. 
Now, I, I'm one of those people who was a little disappointed that they didn't really do much language stuff in the TV series of Stargate. It was mostly sort of implied that Daniel Jackson was a robot, translating a translation or, robot. Yeah, or, or teaching, or teaching people or, or something like that, or, or finding ancient texts, but everything was translation convention. So you never really heard, you didn't hear much go, but the movie had a whole lot of dialogue in this funky sort of derivation of ancient Egyptian, which, um, I remember reading on language log from one of the, the people there complaining that, uh, Daniel Jackson, when he first arrives on the planet, he can't recognize Kuchuru, hmm. which is the masculine plural of the Egyptian word for God that he recognized immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, this is ancient Egyptian 101. Why did he not, why did he, why did he not know that? But other, beyond that, we have a lot of interesting sort of dialogue uh, with mostly Daniel talking to other um, people. So I have a few samples here. First is Daniel Jackson talking to Ra. I don't like this so much because obviously Ra's voice is manipulated to show that he is. This is before they came up the concept of Goa'uld, but that he's an alien in human form. Mm. So here we go. Okay, I'm going to stop it there. Now, the stiltedness doesn't bother me so much there, because obviously Daniel is not really proficient in spoken Egyptian that much. He's more right. in tune with the writing. And yeah. I can see sort of Ra speaking in sort of a, uh, in sort of a, 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 a lilting tone uh, to, as as an illustration of his evilness, so <laughs> I think they hired an actual Egyptologist to sort of project Egyptian forward for the film. I don't remember who did that. Mm, that's interesting. I also have a little bit other dialogue. This is um, spoiler alert: when Daniel finds out that he's actually um, uh, officially married to Shuri. Husband. Just a minute. Beauty sign my Yes, I did. I think that's right. So, 
basically for a short translation, um, somebody tells, I don't remember what Daniel was doing, but somebody tells him that's, uh, that's not work for a husband. And then he walks over and talks to Shuri. I like that sample because there was, there's a lot of little background noise in there. I think, I think they're kind of just saying the same thing over again. I think so too. I think so too. I mean, Um, in in the the heat of a moment of just watching a movie, you're not going to notice that, but it sounds like they gave the extras a few lines to say, and they just kept saying them over. Like I took an arrow in the knee. (laughs) But that's that's fine. It's not it's not really important dialogue, so it's it's not a big deal to me. Um, And there's a here's a little really short clip of just Skara and Shuri talking. Shuri, Shuri, So someone so trained um, them on the her sound well. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the that those performances I actually think are pretty good. They, they those sound pretty convincing to me. Although I don't know in any. Uh, anything about, um, this, this Abidusian language that they projected from ancient Egyptian, so I don't know how accurate it is. It sounded very fluid to me. Mm-hmm. And I like also, you hear Daniel, which is apparently their sort of adaptation of the name Daniel, so. Yeah, it was okay. The movie I found irritating in some respects. Although, I must say that if you are even an amateur Egyptologist to hear Who's the actor who plays Daniel Jackson in this? Uh, David James Spader, is it? James Spader. Yeah, James Spader. Uh, to hear so. him yeah. mock the E.A. Wallace Budge books makes made me happy. There's a very serious Egyptologist, <laughs> Egyptological in-joke, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is deliciously funny if you're into that sort of thing. That's a bad reason to watch this movie, though. Yeah. Now, as I said, there's very little... Um, there's, and really, honestly, the main reason I like the the Stargate movie is it had the ancient the the uh the, so much that of that language in it. It's a decent movie. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't have the hate for it that a lot of Stargate fans have. But um, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um. Now <laughs> the TV series, as I said, didn't have a whole lot of language stuff, but there is an episode where, um, spoiler alert, Apophis is dying, and <laughs> we get to talk to Apophis's host, who, of course, has been basically imprisoned in his own body for, what, 3,000 years? A long time. Wow. Yeah, and so he's speaking, I don't know what, what, um time period or anything but some version of ancient Egyptian and so we have some conversations between him and Daniel he says he's been in an unending dream he hoped to awaken from it to see his wife and his children Okay. And I don't know, that one I think 
uh, he, I like that he was able to sort of bring in some emotion while he was speaking that. Sometimes that doesn't, uh, happen very well with this, this kind of thing. Yeah, I think um, actors, very, very often actors have no idea what they're saying or very little idea what they're saying. Mm. So they have to emote with what's effectively gibberish to them. So that can be and tough. And make it feel. Yeah. And make yeah. it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I think he may have used his sort of choked up acting to cover some of his um, disfluency, maybe. But, sure. Which that I don't know. That's 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 a good way to get around a problem of you don't really you you don't really know how to do these sounds in running speech. And at the end of that episode, near the end of that episode, um Daniel gives Apophis's host his last rites. Yityao Tautai Kaipun Nifadek Dureyu Yinyaf Kayak Arkume. So that that strikes me as plausible guy who knows ancient Egyptian very well, but is not native trying to speak it. So there are a that's... bunch of sounds that ancient Egyptian mm-hmm. has that I'm not hearing in any of these. That may be a problem with, um, with the actors. I know that Michael Shanks actually, uh, has some difficulty with some of the sounds. They actually change the name of his wife from, uh, Shuri to Share because he couldn't pronounce it. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> for the oh. series. So no for angels um, for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or the angels, whatever. Okay. I'm going to skip over the Farscape stuff because okay. we're going a little, we're going to, be taking up some time and I don't want to take up time with that because it's not, I don't think it's real conlangs. Yeah. But one really big one that we have to spend some time on is the Lord of the Rings movies. Ah, yes. So, um, now Lord of the Rings, you'll hear this in, I have several different samples of it. One thing I'm not, after listening to all this stuff, it's better performance than some, a lot of the stuff we've heard so far, but some of it, uh, uh, I have some problems, and this may illustrate it a little bit. Okay, I'll stop it. Now, I'll have another, another, um, sample. Just, these are Arwen and Aragorn, Aragorn speaking, just so that people know, so. I do not fear them. So. The reason I play those is, to me, during the movie, a lot of times it sounded like Aragorn was speaking more fluidly and more like a native speaker than the elves were. Hmm. Well, he's in the movie a lot more, and it sure sounds like he's one of those fanatical kinds of actors. I mean, didn't he carry that damn sword around the entire time they were filming? (laughs) 
Did he? Yeah, apparently it went with him everywhere. So you have this this fellow wandering around New Zealand with a sword. Um, (laughs) The the point is that he probably spent more time on it. Okay. Um, And he had Um, more opportunities to practice it in front of the camera. Mm. Yeah. I won't play all of my stuff, but I will play a couple others. Here's just to 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 wash your brain a little bit of of Aragorn right now. We'll have some Ar- Arwen and Elrond. So that's 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 some good uh from Liv Tyler, some good um emoting in uh, a language that you don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um Elrond always speaks in this very stilted style. I don't know if that's just sort of the 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 way they decided Elrond speaks cuz he's 3000 years old and very wise or what. Yeah. Um uh and a couple other things I will play really quickly. First of all, a funny one, Gandalf trying to open that Damn door to Moria that he doesn't <laughs> understand. <laughs> so he just like is shouting things at the door. Huh. Yeah, I just think that's funny. I appreciate that. And yeah, that's nice. One thing that I want to highlight is so. One thing that Tolkien actually did was he decided to just represent all the uh languages of men, which are all this all sort of relatives of westerness as English, and he used old English names and all this, even though he actually had some in universe names and such like um like apparently um Frodo's real name is Maura, but huh. in uh in Westerness, but he just uh he he changed it to something that's derived from old English somehow. But in the movie they didn't do a little a lot of it, but there was a little bit in of Rohan in Rohan of people speaking old English, and this is uh Aragorn speaking some old English. <laughs> So it's a little hard to hear, but basically he's calming down a horse. He's saying faster, stilanu, which I believe is sort of like, sort of quiet down now. Faster, faster means sort of be still, right? Uh-huh. And then huh. stila is also quiet. Hmm? And it, and it happens in someone's death where Gandalf says west to hail, which is oh. basically old English as well. I, I I appreciate the role of the languages in the movies just because, along with Klingon, I think it pushed the industry forward in, hey, we cannot have Ooga Booga anymore. Mm-hmm. But Ooga Booga was so convincing. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, sort of to cleanse our palate from Lord of the Rings stuff, since that was so big... We have sort of an intermediary um, for the, the movie The Interpreter. And is this part of the main plot or sort of a, a subplot thing going on in this movie? 
that she talks to this African leader. That is the beginning of the main plot. Okay. So in The Interpreter, there is a fictional African language called Ku, hmm. which this interpreter, this UN interpreter, just happens to know. Does and not just happen get, to know, it's because she's from that country. She is. Okay. Yes, it's 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 modeled a bit in sort of post um colonial um South Central Africa. Mm. So, I didn't get much I guess I was looking in the wrong place. I sh- I should have looked through like got the movie or something, but um mm. I have a little sample. You'll have to listen fairly closely because there's like English talking over it most of the time. So, here we go. A little bit of coup from the interpreter. But we certainly do not condone the methods President Zawani uses against his own people. Dr. Zawani is an educator. He is our teacher. But his opponents engage in ever more ferocious acts. The partisans of both Kuman Kuman and Ajin Zola have become terrorists. So, I'll stop so that's, there. That's so, that's Nicole Kidman. That's Nicole Kidman playing an interpreter, so she has to speak Ku as well, although we don't hear that here really much. Uh, yeah, you it's it's underneath the English. Yeah. You you don't hear it very quickly. Uh, when I amplify this because um I recorded these when I recorded these they were kind of quiet, so I may have to amplify them when I put them in the podcast. But anyway, yeah, it is um it sounds like an African language. Did they actually put it in any particular language family or Bantu? It's Bantu. Yeah, it pretty much. The guy, like the guy Bantu. who invented it sort of combined. They did not want to say, "Hey, Mugabe sucks." <laughs> so they had to invent a language and invent a country and invent um, politics um, to do that. But yeah, the language is basically Bantu, and it was invented by um, a fellow who. I believe teaches African languages. So, okay, mm. and I guess if you know, I I have a feeling that if you know Bantu languages pretty well, you can pretty easily make one because they're all fairly similar, aren't they? They're uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, some of the main ones we learn about as amateur linguists are. The relationship is obvious. Some of the other members of the family, it's let, it's not as easy to see. Okay. So the inventor okay. of this. I was somehow is... led to believe that Bantu was somehow remarkably similar, but maybe it's mm-hmm. not. No. <laughs> no. Um, the inventor is Said El Ghaithi. So from the Center for African okay. Language Learning in London. Okay. So that's, that's, that's interesting to have a, a real world alternate history conlang there. Right, um, non-fantasy, non-science fiction. They just wanted to not offend anyone in Africa. I trust. <laughs> or like we can't or use Shona sort or, of, or just sort of tell their morality tale without being bogged down with researching real politics. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah, could right. be one thing. Right. Yeah. Um. So we have that. Probably one of the biggest events. In sort of conlanging in movies in recent history, it was Avatar. Mm, not uh, the, one, the not the Airbenders. Not the Airbenders. not the Airbender. It's the massive James Cameron epic 
uh, about a guy who falls in uh, a guy in a wheelchair who falls in love with a blue girl, and um, a really really tall blue girl with the tail. <laughs> with the tail, man. Okay, before we 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 played some not V stuff. Yes, <laughs> tell me you were not jarred when you saw the scene where she actually meets. Um, what's his name? Jake Sully in real form. In yes. His, in his human form. And she is four times his size, size and cradling him like an infant. Yes. Oh, no, I think that was, that was why that scene was held off until then. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she's frantically finding his, his oxygen thing. Mask. Yeah, so he does not die. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you were going to say something? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, we have... It took me a while to find... Um, I believe this is Jake Sully's big speech. It took me a while to find, because all the ver- many of the versions on YouTube, people, for some reason, just cut out the, the, the uh, Not V Live interpretation, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we want to hear. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Listen, I have the English on here as well, but listen for in the background, I think it's Sute. Yeah, Sute. Sute. Yeah. As mm-hmm. is interpreting for Jake Sully, so. The Sky people have sent us a message. That they can take whatever they want. And no one can stop them. So move But we will send them a message. You ride out as fast as the wind can carry you. You tell the other clans to come. You tell them Tarek Makto calls to them. You fly now. With me. My brothers. Sisters. And we will show the sky people. That they cannot take whatever they want. And that this... This is our land! (laughs) (laughs) So, poor Paul Fromer had a horrible time with that scene. Oh, yeah? Because they needed to keep the scene moving along quickly... Mm-hmm. And a really complete, full, detailed translation of what Jake was saying in English into not V took up too much time. Oh yeah. So the so the, was there sort of an interpretive translation then? It was a very interpretive translation. Not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, it, it's you know you, you understand what's going on, but yeah, he had to work hard to to slim that down. Okay. Um, I also have another clip. It's a fairly long one, but I might be able to cut it short of Jake when he gets his ikran. I'll, um, I'll play that a little bit here. Let's dance. <laughs> Get up, it's gone. 
Okay, I, I'll stop it there, but this episode, or I mean, this little uh, scene actually was one of the scenes that made me think that this was one of the first movie conlangs where I heard good native-like performances, really. Mm. Because you hear this sense, like um, the, the one place where he calls the point where... Um, he calls Jake Sully uh, a scoun, scoun, which basically scoun. means uh, right, scoun, scoun, which so. basically means like a moron. Mm -hmm. That sounds very fluid to me. That sounds very sort of the the way you would say something that you're like turning aside to your to to your friend, like, hey, you know, he's an idiot. He's gonna die, mm -hmm. is what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Unfortunately, um. The actor for Tsukte took liberties sometimes. Oh, yeah? Um, mm -hmm. So one of the things you hear him say when Jake is screwing around is he says, don't do that, which should be Tsakemura Asi. But he always pronounced the A sound as ah. So, oh. Right. Raasi. So for those of us who are purists, it's very upsetting. But, you know, no one cares. Because, mm. as George <laughs> says, he seems pretty fluent. Most of the actors... Um, seemed pretty fluent with the the language. And if you're going to make an error, the, most of the Natvi um yeah. sounded like native speakers to me, especially compared to the humans, which were had realistic difficulties with it. And if you're going to do it, do especially because then they won't know that you're doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> if you're going to dance on thin ice, you might as well dance. Yes. Or if you're going to walk on thin ice, you might as well dance. So just edit that out because I'm clearly an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, another example of someone who played a little fast and loose, but actually did it well, and this is going to be our last example, <laughs> is from Game of Thrones, we have Dothraki, and um, Jason Momoa as, I will I will pronounce it Khal Drogo, even though canonically it's Khal Drogo, apparently, mm -hmm. Um uh, because yes. I respect David Peterson's rendering. Yeah. <laughs> Dear um, science fiction and fantasy writers, KH is <laughs> <laughs> Love William. Love William. Well, well, well. In in some cases, it can be aspirated. It can be kuh, but mm. in this case, it's kuh. Yes, because the um, horse lords speak in like Hindi. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting <laughs> take of it. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, I thought I have not actually seen, I just got my Game of Thrones season one DVDs. I have not seen the whole series, but mm. just from clips I've seen, I think that, uh, Hal Drogo, the Jason Momoa's performance is probably the best performance I have seen in a constructed language, language. And, First off, I'm going to play a little bit of him and uh, Daenerys, um, played by Emily Clark, is her name, um, and sort of the interplay between him as a native speaker and her as someone who's just now starting to learn the language. Mm. So here we go. So far, so Nacha, she have a ship a casca. What are the blood you made with this? So far, so Nacha was sechi. Sani so free vecayom. So was so at the Hari Anni. 
Vosofro. Reshi. Reshi. Sek. Talan ragat evetemal. Yeto finni yete yong. Kisha vastoki vos alexas vidoma adore cekate. Vos adore me... Me... Throne. Throne. Adore finan kal navesoi. Je... Okay, so very nice. I'll I'll stop it there. It it is very interesting, and you hear, of course, Caldrogo sounds like a native. He and... sounds like a native who needs more fiber in his diet. I don't know if it's if he's been. Of course, he was aff- affecting a cer- certain sort of badass voice. Yeah. But, um, and uh. Daenerys has a very noticeable foreign accent, mm-hmm. but, but is that's, still that's sort of understandable. Um, one th- couple of things I want to point out is, you know, they had stuff like they in- inserted into the dialogue the English word throne, because that happens in the book too. The Dothraki have no word specifically for a throne. They mm-hmm. don't understand the concept really, because... Mm-hmm. They don't have a monarchy, and uh, and so um, she has to sort of on the spot loan in the common tongue word for throne. So they just represent that as her saying throne, and then Caldrogo echoes throne. It's like throne. What you talking about, baby? And, throne. Uh, How do <laughs> what do I? What sort of training do you talk like that? Maybe gargle throne. with Drano. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, I, <laughs> maybe something in the um, diet just lowers the voice or something. I'm not. I don't know. Raw horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's raw horse hearts. That's what it is. Yeah, but that's mm. a, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, no. It'll put hair in your <laughs> chest and lower your voice five octaves. Not in the movie, it doesn't. Um, but anyway. And also, um, uh, what is it? Um, I wanted to point out because David Peterson uh mentioned this on his blog. He said. Apparently, I thought when I was watching the scene isolation, I thought it was just, um, that Daenerys couldn't, didn't pronounce them correctly, but apparently the, the producers or somebody decided that they would just have the, the, those titles be Khal and Khaleesi rather than Khal and Khaleesi, which is what, uh, David Peterson came up with from the romanization. Uh, I should mention, George R. R. Martin does not tell anybody how to pronounce his names or his words, so the canon pronunciations are from the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know why they chose that, but they did. This is what happens when conlangs get put into movies: is producers and directors have ideas of their own, yeah, mm-hmm. and but- <laughs> things just get overridden for mysterious artistic purposes. They don't always make linguistic yeah. sense, but that's just life. Yeah. But that's 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 enough sort of complaining about that. Uh I will do because this is this is the big performance, this is the big scene. I am going to play and hope I don't get sued for this, but play Haldrogo's speech in its entirety. His big speech about uh going across the water and uh 
and uh, taking back the Seven Kingdoms. Not to spoil too much, but uh, he has motivation. Uh, So here it is, the big speech. soundboard hmm. i would just take that last uh point where he shouts what is it Tastavason, and use that for whenever somebody makes a really salient and emotional point because that's <laughs> <laughs> what yes, like the stars is my witness it's very yeah yes but that the reason i say that's a great performance is it's very fluid. It's a little, it's a little sort of stilted, but more in the, the sense of he's been given a big speech. So right. he's, he's saying things very clearly, but you hear him sort of, you know, speak fairly flu, very fluidly in, in certain points of it. And it has a big emotional range all in one clip. And I was really impressed that he was able to do that. The story is that. The day before they shot this, the night before they shot this, Jason Momoa knew this big speech was going up, uh, coming up. The speech is in the book, um, in, written in English, of course, and then translated for the TV show. Uh, and he knew it was in the script, so he, he knew what day they were shooting it and stuff. So he went to his hotel room, he ordered a pizza, and spent the entire night just practicing <laughs> this speech. So that he would get it right when they were when they were filming it. Good on mm. him. Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine you're an American actor and you've been hired to do an entire film in which you play a major role in which you mm. will not be speaking your native language or indeed a language anyone has ever heard before? On the plus side, nobody who's watching it will be able to correct you as long as you stay consistent. That's nonsense. The fans will know, <laughs> right? People were learning language once. It appeared. That's why I said so long as you stay well, consistent. I mean, they could always yeah, well, be like true. us, be like us, and say, "Oh, well, Kal is not Kal," and you know, say, "Well, that's just what they did." Right. right. Well, um, here's well the um, David Peterson has noted that 
uh, Hal Drogo actually has a particular accent. Yeah. And, um, and Jason Momoa basically created his own sort of variant of Dothraki that he was completely consistent with. And that's fine with me because, I mean, the, the Dothraki are spread across these huge plains, the Dothraki Sea, in various different Khalasars. Obviously, they're going to have some dialect differences. And, you know, maybe Haldrogo is some, from some particular Khalasar and speaks a little dif- differently than sort of the standard average Dothraki that David Peterson made or something. That's a great phrase I just like there. Standard average Dothraki. Hmm. <laughs> Sad. This is what this is what little kids are taught in school. <laughs> if the so Dothraki had schools. Yes, if the Dothraki had schools. One thing you mentioned that's interesting about accent is one neat so sorry, popping back to Natvi, is the guy who played Etukan in the film, so the head of the Omatikaya clan, um, uh, was played by Wes Studi, who grew up speaking Cherokee. Mm-hmm. And he has a distinct Cherokee accent when he speaks Natvi. So he does things like nasalized vowels. Um, and one or two bits of enunciation are reminiscent of that, which in the movie, when I saw the movie for the first time, I didn't know that. I thought, wow, that's really, that's very nice, but that's, oh. Mm. My understanding uh, is that Jason Momoa is from Hawaii. I'm not sure. Yeah, where the language is I'll nothing at to... all like Dothraki. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, let me look him up, but um, I don't know if he speaks any Hawaiian or anything anyway. Um, but actually what he did for his audition was some bastardized version of the the haka which is the the maori chant from uh from new zealand right yeah he was born in honolulu hawaii so i mean his father is of native hawaiian descent so he may have been exposed to hawaiian and exposure to another language mm-hmm. could have sort of sparked his interest i know that there are some Hawaiian speakers in there and speakers of a lot of different languages in Hawaii. So I don't know for certain. If nothing else, how... it gives you other rhythms to fall back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the hard thing very often. I think in TV and film invented languages is that they sort of have this possibly very alien sound system upon which an English um, sort of, Cadence. Cadence, thank you. That's what I'm looking for. To, on, on top of which an English cadence is sitting. And it's still, that adds to the the not quite there or stilted sort of sound, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it is, uh, I, I just think. George, oh, you're distracted. Born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dramatic pause. <laughs> he was born Joseph Jason. Namakeha Momoa. That's interesting. That's a lot of name. Well, I suppose not <laughs> if you're Spanish, but anyway. Na- Namakeha. Sorry, not Namakeha. Um, so, I don't know. I just thought we would end with the Dothraki because that is epic. Now, I wanted to add in Barsoomian 
at the end here, but I didn't get time to track down samples. Yeah. And Barsoomin really doesn't play a huge role in in the uh, John Carter movie, but it's interesting. It actually seems like it's sort of going backwards because uh, they all do have that sort of stilted speech mm-hmm. when in the few parts where there are um, Barsoomian lines. But uh, I thought the uh, really was it Willem Dafoe? Yes, who played uh, the guy who played what's Which his name? J- Jedek someone. Oh, the. The main guy, the what's yes. his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he did okay for the brief mm. time we got him speaking Barsoomian. I thought he did a fine job. Yeah, he did good. It's the, I um, think the, the the main interest in Barsoomian, since the movie appears to have sunk into obscurity already, um, is just that it continues this process. The studio said, "Hey, we need a language," and they find someone they know who's invented languages. Right, in this case, Paul Fromer, but still. They went out and got somebody who yeah. has has done this before. My my feeling is that um, Disney is not good at this. Um, yeah. That like they find the right guy and they do it because they did that and they before that for their Atlantis movie, um, they got Mark Okran to do it. Yep, and uh, you know they used a fair bit of Atlantean dialogue. Yeah. But I don't think they understand the marketing potential that these languages can give for their movie. I mean, it's not it's it's a small part of the audience that's really interested in the language, but you know, by by putting out stuff about the language, you can talk a little you can sort of generate a little bit more press about the movie. Right. And they didn't do that. The marketing on John Carter was terrible in many respects, but um, mm. mainly they them changing the name so many times and stuff. Um, but like they don't do that. They uh, they sequester their linguists away and don't let them talk about stuff. <laughs> and they and who knows what mischief they'll get up to if they're let out into the sun. <laughs> and they don't really. They don't really. Uh, they. They don't really promote anything about the language. They don't use the languages very well. I mean, you know, John Carter, it's like, you know, you get like five minutes or 15 minutes of it near the beginning of the movie uh, of some fairly substantial dialogue. But then he drinks some magic juice and magically it all turns into English. Magic juice. Yeah, yeah. It has been a little surprising at how inept... Fox or I don't know if it's Fox or if it's Cameron or um, what is it? Lighthouse, Lightstorm, Lightstorm, really crappy follow through on Notvi for which there is a huge interest. There's a large yeah. active community several years still after the movie's created and they insist on producing gibberish the few times they venture into, or at least the, the few times their press arm ventures into dealing with the Notvi language, they bungle it. Why? Like, why don't they do it right? I I don't <laughs> why know. Not, I mean, it's baffling. Paramount is the one to look at for this, and HBO is is doing a pretty good job as well. But Paramount, with particularly Klingon, they publish the Klingon dictionary. They support the uh, the um, Klingon community. They 
they, uh, and, uh, also Mark Okrand, you know, goes over there to the, the Klingon Language Institute once in a while and, and talks to them and, uh, talks about I don't know how much his, of that uh, is really supported by, um, Paramount because they can well, be, they can let loose the harpies of intellectual property if anyone does anything with Klingon they don't like. Hmm. That's true, mm-hmm. and sometimes they do, but I think for the most part, they just kind of don't bother too much with it, and uh, with with trying to uh, claim intellectual property rights. I think that they their lawyers probably know that it's uh, it's a difficult case to make because nope. no one's certain if you can copyright a language. The problem um, is, all you need is a Hollywood studio's lawyers writing you a strongly worded letter. Nobody who's going to be involved in this has the means to make the case that it can't be copyrighted. That's all it takes. You don't need to go to law because no one has the means to defend themselves against a Hollywood lawyer. That's true. But I'm saying they haven't. Have they, go ahead. Yeah. They haven't done that that much. I mean, there's people have written a Klingon opera. People have translated stuff into Klingon and they haven't okay. really... Sure. Come down works, with the hammer. works in the language. I mean, sort of things that might help people learn the language. They're much more protective of. Uh, yes. Sort of true. grammatical They're, and lexical things. They don't. They don't let other people write grammars. It's kind of like you use a Klingon dictionary or stuff that Mark Okran gives gives you specifically. But right. they let Mark Okran go and talk to them. That's true. That's true. So mm. I mean, it's not not I I. I only point to them as a model because I think they're doing the best at it mm-hmm. as far as uh, that. And I mean, the token estate is not always cooperative, but at least they're really releasing tokens, personal notes and stuff for the handful of researchers that want to study them and argue about which Elvish is best. Right. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think things are overall improving because we've seen through this, we, we see a trend of, okay, our first movie is an existing constructed language that was terribly performed, mm-hmm. fairly, fairly fluid, but very annoying to Esperanto speakers. Of course. <laughs> hey. uh, we go through. <laughs> A, Annoying a Esperanto of... speakers is a very popular pastime. <laughs> yeah. We go through a bunch of movies that have stilted dialogue and and sort of acting being hampered. And then we get to Natvi and especially Dothraki, where you see some people, mainly a few few sort of individuals, but I think HBO really sort of institutionally is is thinks that uh Dothraki and good Dothraki performances are important because I mean they are going through the trouble of figuring out okay these people need to sound one way and then these couple of non-native speakers need to sound like they're non-native. they have a a yeah uh, a common tongue accent an English accent basically um so I think people are generally moving in a trend toward taking these things more seriously. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, we'll see how long it goes on. In, in some sense, I mean, the Language Creation Society exists in part to deal with this issue to try to help a studio who wants an invented language just as decoration without mm-hmm. necessarily understanding that if you get a really popular film, people might want to learn the language yeah, or, or learn a little of the language. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe they can help arrange to tame the lawyers. <laughs> leash them a little bit. Yeah. Leash them a little bit. Yes. Anyway, th- I mean, this is well, a topic that one could go on about at great length. And I don't think it's going to be resolved by us. It's going to be resolved by cranky lawyers. Yeah. That's true. I don't know. We could we could do an episode on it, but I don't think we I want to do it without having like a lawyer present. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be well, good. just I for perspective. No, no, just for interest. I wonder. Well, anyway, you know, and like I speaking think, of um, some languages where you just do ooga booga or gobbledygook or whatever, um, you know, it's the same when you when you really like the sound of a language, and then you're like, oh, I wonder what the background of this is, and you come up with. There is none. It's just basically, you know, throwing darts at sounds and making words. It's a little bit, you know, yeah. like they really miss out on a lot of richness there. And I think a lot, like a hook that could pull a lot of people out, you know, who want to learn that yeah. language. Maybe. Yeah, the, I mean, it depends the, the, on the, the popularity of the thing going on. Mm. Yeah. It, it really, it, it depends. Yeah. It depends on how much press it gets and stuff, uh, how, how much real, how much the conlang really pays off, but if it pays off, it can pay off pretty big. Now, does um, it? Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, as far as the like hiring someone who can actually do the language and invest it for the movie people, investing in having the language be have a background, is it that much of an extra toll on them? I mean, I'm sure people would love to do that, and you know, not rather than just throw together some nonsense. At this yeah. point, I don't know anybody who's thrown together nonsense. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there any been anything really recently where nonsense has been produced in these sorts of movies? Like, I don't think so. I put, um, well, on some of the show notes, I wrote down some of the incomplete languages, like ones where they are just basically isolated speech with no real background or grammar behind them. Like, I think the parcel tongue in Harry Potter doesn't really have any any meat behind it. Um, we mentioned Atlantean. Um, I know the fifth element's an old movie, but I don't know how much that really had behind it. But I mean, maybe not nonsense, but it, I mean, it sounds like language, but it just doesn't really have any, it's not generated as part of the language. It's just, you know, uh, well, the, the Atlantean is a conlang, I believe. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> much of the stuff that I heard in Stargate was just sort of bastardized ancient languages or just random words like, they kind of make a joke of the fact that um the Gulwuld and the Jaffa apparently just say Cree all the time. <laughs> and there's there's one point where Daniel Jackson is is uh is uh explaining, well, you know, Cree has a lot of different meanings and doesn't really go on to explain much further. <laughs> <laughs> um but and like uh I don't know, the ancient is Latin for some reason. I don't understand why, but sort of mangled every time, Latin, but yes. Yeah, every time I hear any ancient dialogue, it sounds like some bastardized Latin. So, mm-hmm. huh. 
Well, that's part of uh, the, the conceit of Stargate is that, well, yeah, we don't need to explain that. But, but my feeling is, say, in the last five, six, seven years, there's a great deal less of this. So Harry Potter, Parseltongue, right, yeah. so they bungled that. But I'm not sure how how you would do that better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not but, very many um, lines of Parseltongue. Was there lines in the book? Because no, if she I mean, just made up some some crap for the book, they may have just put that in the movie. I don't think so. Like, it's usually just written in italics, or it says like sound hissing sounds. I don't think they actually transcribe it. Right. Oh, so okay. no actual comment. Um. Mm-hmm. But but my yeah no I think it's better, and I I think that compared to the cost of an actor, mm-hmm. I think a conlanger is probably a lot cheaper. Yeah. And, and it's easier to 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 get this somewhat more realistic effect. Um, and I, hopefully the tremendous popularity of Game of Thrones will also sort of cement this realization in the movie and TV making world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We certainly hope so. Yes. Um, My fantasy is they're going to try to get some proper Vulcan in the reboot mm-hmm. um, that is not the mishmash that happened in the early first generation series. Which was also done by Mark Okran, but he was severely limited because severely they'd limited. already they'd already filmed the uh the scene in English with exaggerated mouth movements and he had to match those. Right. Right. Yeah. But anyway. Um so Is there anything else we yeah, need to say they, about they probably the they they probably should uh have somebody do some Vulcan, shouldn't they? Because the 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 story is going to have a lot of fo- focus on the Vulcans, I'm sure. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that does it. I hope everyone enjoyed our sort of special episode. <laughs> uh, Conlanger's Rant. Yes. <laughs> Conlanger's Rant. Um, so... Our little sort of ranting about conlangs in movies and TV shows. Uh, leave a comment. Tell us what you, uh, what you thought of our sort of taking a little break, you know. Uh, and as always, conlanger at gmail.com. Uh, you can leave iTunes reviews on the, on the whole podcast, but, uh, and, uh, you know. One of the we, links... Go ahead, George. Sorry. Uh, I will put some links in show notes to some videos that I took clips from and uh, maybe to places where you can watch some of these uh, properties if you want to. I don't recommend Land of the Lost. <laughs> hey, hey! No abusing my childhood! <laughs> Your childhood had crap TV shows. Yes, it does. Yes, it did. Seriously. Like, they're <laughs> obviously on a badly dressed soundstage the okay, entire okay. time. Legions of Doctor Who fans have taught us that it doesn't matter if your production values are horrible. Well, that's fine. This podcast started out with terrible production values. That's that's okay. But and we got it's also fairly bad um, acting and kind of just silly in so many ways. It's children's programming. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
anyway. Oh. And so, so one of the things I found when I was trying to find some sound samples uh, for this episode is uh, somebody who has a little blog or podcast or something found 20 fictional languages and turned them into a quiz. Oh, so good. I think conlangers might like to go and listen to the clips and see if they can identify the languages. Some of them we've demonstrated here, but several we haven't. So it's it's a fun little test. I'll stick that in the show notes. And yeah, you can, I, a, think I think that there's, there's like a, a, a video quiz thing attached to it. So Well, the, it's just audio for the one I found, but yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that does it for the episode. Uh, we'll go for uh, William first. Do you have any final words of wisdom for us? I have no wisdom today. <laughs> Except, wait, no, yes. Alien Nation, even though it is a deeply late 80s show, is highly underrated science fiction. So if you can find it, rent it. It's a good series, even though it only lasted a year plus some specials. Is it on Netflix? I have no idea. It ought to be by now, yeah. I'll see if it's on Netflix after I'm done watching Farscape. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Mike? Nope, no, no wisdom for me. Just keep trying, keep trying new things, and conlangs are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's wisdom okay. of a sort. Yes. I'm going to say <laughs> next time we're going to return to our regularly scheduled programming and uh, do a proper conlangery episode. But I hope you you guys enjoyed this little break in the uh, the format and. I'm going to say, happy Conlanging. You have been listening to Conlangery. You can find the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes at conlangery.com, including links to our featured Conlang and a few resources to help you make sense of today's topic. You'll also find links to subscribe to us on iTunes or through other podcatchers, to our Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus pages, and a whole lot more. Questions, comments, and suggestions may be sent to conlangery at gmail.com. You can also submit those translated greetings we play at the top of the show or conscripts to display in our header. Please see the contribute page for details. Thanks for listening. Okay. Ah, uh, stop. Sorry. <laughs> I got a little bit into Klingon there. I'll it's fix little, that in post. A shocking but transition. Anyway. <laughs> so. But now that I'm in, in one sedentary position, I'm, I'm, I shan't move around. Klingon occurs on Frasier. That's awkward. Yeah, did you see that? <laughs> yeah. I actually bought the first episode of Land of the Lost to get sam- uh, to capture a sample of Pacuni. Man, that's a terrible show. Oh, oh yeah. God, yes. No, no, do not mock my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to keep the episode to about an hour. Okay. Especially um, after the last one. <laughs> uh, the last one, the last one we did, or the last one that was just published? The one that was just posted. The- yeah.
I, I saw comments on that. I don't know how long it turned out to be, but I saw Two people comment. Two hours. Gee, oh my gosh. And I wasn't even there for and it. And we were hurrying because I had to work, which I have to work again tonight. So. All right. Uh, so, <clears throat> let's get mm. I retitled it so that it said Conlangery at, Conlangery at the movies, parentheses, Conlangery 25. Not 25, 52. <laughs> but, you, but you're still listed as the owner. So, oh, there you are. What color am I? Pink? Um, yes, hot pink for me. Yeah, you're green, so we'll William. Put in, without William, we are less equipped to do heavy-hitting linguistics topics, which yeah. people might want after this episode. 